Hi there, this is Ryan and Victoria Cole. Welcome back to Needed Conversations. And it's a good time to join in because we are finishing out this great series on the topic of identity. We've been in this series called Image for the last several weeks, and we covered some heavy topics, right? Yeah, we had a lot of things that we talked about. So if you have missed those episodes, be sure to go back and listen to them. They're really going to be educational. I think I do that every time that we record a podcast. I go back and listen to it as well, because all this information that we're sharing with you guys is something that we're continuing to learn. Um, I mean, we are preaching to ourselves. So (laughs) go back and listen to those episodes because they are going to be super helpful for you, for your relationships, but also just understanding who you are and who God calls you to be. Yeah. And this is a pivotal year for that. I think we can look all around us and the evidence is clear. The world is going through an identity crisis, but so is the church. The church is still trying to figure out, you know, what our positioning is in the world um, post the events of 2020. And, and, you know, we've been accelerated into this process because of those situations like the pandemic, et cetera. But it's really been a gift for us to move into the next era of kingdom ministry. And so uh, this conversation today is going to end on a high note because we're talking about the next generation and how to shape your child's identity. And before you turn this off, if you say, I'm not a parent, maybe you're going to be a parent one day. But even if you never have biological children, each one of us have Uh, the responsibility to help steward and shape the next generation. What one generation tolerates, the next generation is enslaved by. And Mm -hmm. so the struggle that you're having with your identity, if you don't figure it out, how can you turn around and help the next generation? And trust me, there are many fatherless and motherless kids out there who need mentors, mentors just like you. This is going to be the last episode in this series. And the next week, we're going to be jumping into a a series on marriage. But I've got one more bonus for you. Releasing at the same time as this episode is a prayer. I'm committed to doing uh, one prayer covering a different topic every single month. And it's going to be a video. And I'm going to release it right here, wherever you listen to podcasts. And you guessed it. The first prayer is all about identity. So it's a prayer that you can play and listen to over and over again throughout this year and let that help you uh, help you understand who you are in Christ. Let that shape and mold your identity. And we cover a lot in that prayer from children praying uh, for the struggle in our nation right now as it relates to identity. So join in with that prayer as well. And also for all your marriage resources, where can they find us, Victoria? You can go to moremostforever.com. We have some e-courses. We have some e-books available for you guys. And um, so a lot more events coming your way. So the way for you to stay in touch is to go to moremostforever.com. You can also follow us on Instagram. The page is also called at moremostforever. Um, Also a lot of inspiration, motivation for you to keep pushing through even the challenging times um, and encourage you along the way in your dating and marriage journey. And last thing before we move into this topic is to remind you that we are a ministry and we require your support um, in order to make this vision happen. We know God is our provider, but maybe he wants to use you to help further this vision. And I could go into all the details of what we're doing, the events that we have coming up, retreats, 
We want land to have a retreat center. We want to establish, um, you know, buildings and, and property where we can do ministry work, especially as it relates to marriage and counseling couples, which we are doing every single month and week. So uh, would you support us by going to moremostforever.com and hitting that donate button and giving of any amount or give monthly, set it up on automatic draft. You don't even have to think about it. Even if it's as little as $20, of course, you can give as much as you want, but every little bit counts no matter what it is. So let's jump into this conversation on how to shape your child's identity. Today, we're going to dive into this important topic of how parents and mentors can shape a child's identity and give you some biblical guidance on this topic. We all know, we especially because we have toddlers, that parenting can be one of the most challenging uh, things that you ever do, and yet it's also the most rewarding to be able to see a life being molded right there in front of you. How can you deny the influence that we as parents have on our children. It's evident within statistics. You know, what happens when one or both of the parents are absent from a child's life? You know, there's more chances that that child will engage in criminal activity, drug abuse, uh, mental health skyrockets, dropout rates increase. So it's important that you have um, parents who are engaged in their children's lives. And the Bible speaks to this as well. From the book of Numbers, we see that vows and commitments that our children's make are either approved or vetoed by us as parents. That means we have the ability to reverse curses that have been spoken over our children's lives. We have the ability to help nullify some of the immature decisions that they have made. And then when they grow older, the Bible declares that the way that we have raised them in, they will not depart from it. But in order uh, to see that manifest in your life, you have to understand what is the way. Well, the way has to do with the values that you're giving your children and the environment that you are cultivating in your home so that your children can discover their purpose at a young age and they don't have to question who they are. They can understand that they are a child of God and they can operate in this kingdom culture um, and not have to struggle with the generational curses that you have had to deal with. Yeah. And, you know, we started the series addressing you personally, because uh, how can you lead somebody if you don't know where you're, you know, where to take them? And it's so important to know your identity and being confident in what God has called you to do so that you're able to impart that into the next generation. You know, we always say that children don't do what you tell them to do. They do what you are doing. They're mimicking exactly what you're doing. So a lot of times we see this frustration as parents, you know, we want them to walk a certain way, but they're watching us and they're saying, well, you're not doing that. Why am I having to do something that you are not doing? So we have to make sure that we stick with, be true to our word and, you know, don't lie ourselves to ourselves about what it is that we want to accomplish just because we feel bad about, you know, maybe having shortcomings, we want to put that pressure on our children. And that's why we always say that it starts first with you knowing your identity and knowing what God has called you to fulfill. That way, when you actually have children, it's a big responsibility to be able to not only provide for them physically, uh, but also, you know, address emotional needs, um, spiritual needs. It's a lot that entails parenting. Just not, It's not only just physical provision. Um, I always say it's like God giving us that small snippet of what it is that he deals with 
on the daily basis with all of us because we're all his children and we only get like one or two kids, you know, I mean, my parents had 12, so I can't imagine how they did that, but that's a lot of work to do. And your children are a magnifying glass. Uh, it's a reflection of who you are. You know, I look at our kids and, and the struggles, you know, that I see them going through, even at four and six years old. And I see it. Oh, that's me. That's something I've dealt with. And, and, and unfortunately, I, I didn't kind of break that because obviously there's some residue that they're picking up on. Because like Victoria said, they don't get what you say. They get who you are. And the best gift that you can give your child is the truth. And being transparent about, you know, your struggles, uh, that you're not perfect and that you don't have all of the answers, but you can point them to the one who does. Yeah. And that's what Victoria's mom did for you, right? Yeah. I feel like my mom, you know, grew up kind of uh, not really ignorant, but like she was shielded from a lot of conversations, a lot of things and in a, in a good way. I mean, she's really a saint. That's what we call her. And I always remember her always giving us wisdom by giving us a word of God. Even if I knew that it may not be a scenario or a situation that she's ever experienced, she'll stand there and she'll think about it. And then, you know, her answer would be a scripture. And people are like, well, what is the scripture going to do? But it really, it there's nothing new under the sun. So even if a scenario that you may not have experienced that your child is experiencing, the best thing you can do is equip them with the word of God so that you know, that gives them the guidance and the wisdom that they need in order to be able to overcome challenges or make the right decisions in their life. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, when it comes to the culture right now, we have to cling to the Bible because in this time that we're living in, it's like kids are able to make adult decisions that they really don't have the mental or spiritual capacity to make. You're talking about gender. I saw something this morning, you know, someone that uh, was saying it on Instagram that they're baffled that we haven't realized that this line that's being crossed as it relates to allowing children to make decisions about transitioning in their gender medically using puberty blockers, et cetera. It really comes down to consent. It's like we wouldn't allow our kids to go and buy cigarettes or use uh, drink alcohol or, you know, for that matter, we wouldn't allow our kids to go and sleep over at certain people's houses or drink or eat certain foods, but they have the ability to make decisions about their gender. And let's talk about consent as it relates to sex, right? If they are able to make decisions about their gender, are they? do they have the mental capacity to make the decision to engage in sexual activity with not just a person their own age, but someone older than them? This is all just a slippery slope to remove all of the boundaries around our children that, that protect their innocence. We have to be advocates for our kids and we have to say no when no is appropriate. And we are able to say yes when yes is appropriate. The Bible talks about that each one of us are placed under stewards until we reach this age of maturity and that we're able to make the decisions on our own. And for every person that comes at a different time period. For some kids, they're very mature at 15 or 16, but some people are still not mature at 17 and 18 or 20. And yet they have to make these adult decisions because their bodies have developed. But why would we then impose that upon kids as young as eight, nine, and 10? And God forbid toddlers 
who parents are not even affirming their gender from the beginning. They're leaving it off their birth certificates. This is wild to me because the Bible tells us to train up a child in the way he should go, Proverbs 22, 6. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. This verse tells us that we as parents and leaders have a responsibility to guide children towards the ways of God and help them develop a moral, spiritual, and value-based identity, that their value is not defined by how they present themselves to the world. That's secondary to what is going on internally, you know? Mm -hmm. And the struggle that our children are facing right now are, are struggles that they shouldn't have to deal with. It's what we're imposing upon them. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, you shall teach them diligently the values to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And this verse emphasizes the importance of daily uh, uh, intentional parenting and the role that we have in shaping our child's identity from the moment they wake up in the morning till the moment they lay their head down at night, and then even afterwards, the prayers that keep them covered while they are sleeping. Yeah, and you know, we've talked about this before that children crave uh, boundaries, just like we do. Maybe we say that we don't, and the society tells us, you know, go ahead and do whatever it is that you want to do. But honestly, we all crave boundaries, um, parameters, and our children want us to be present you know, our kids don't need presence. They need our presence, CE, us for us to be present and give discipline and give boundaries. Um, I've said this before. I remember having a conversation with somebody and they were saying how their 10-year-old brother was craving discipline and their parents were so tired that they were just letting him do whatever. And he actually uh, was asking one of his older sister to take him in because he said he needs that which I think that is so interesting. You know, most kids, you would that think he was that mature they, enough to recognize to that, recognize he, that, that he needs boundary. boundaries. And, and I think the, those boundaries actually tell your children that, hey, my parents care. My parents care for the individual that I am and my feelings and my emotions and things that I'm going through. If you allow your child to do whatever it is that they want to do, um, maybe they'll be happy, but for how long? You know, and I think that that's how God is. He gives us boundaries that we are to walk in, not to shield us or to hide these blessings from us, but to really help us to walk in the season of blessing because there's blessing in those boundaries if we walk in obedience. And so our children crave the same thing. They crave us to uh, pay attention to them, make sure that they are acknowledged and affirmed and loved. And that's a huge responsibility and it takes a lot of intentionality and effort. And you know, one of the things that I wanted to say is if we as as uh, parents, but also as a wife and a husband, address the five languages of love, you know, and we are able to love each other with the love language that that person needs, like our spouse, then I think when your children come, it becomes a lot easier because you understand that each child is individual and that you are not going to love them equally. You're going to love them uniquely because they're unique individuals. What my daughter needs is different than what my son needs. And I think we have to reiterate that over and over again, that we love them in a very unique way because they are unique individuals. And they both, even though they're a brother and a sister, they need completely separate things. And so I think when you learn to love people, not the way you want to be loved, but really show them the 
the way they want to be loved. So if you are a person, let's say that, you know, receives love by acts of service and that's what you do when you get frustrated because you don't get any response. Well, it's because that that's a natural thing to you because that's how you feel loved. But if a person, you know, is needed words of affirmation and you are intentional in pouring that out to them, then they feel that you are, you know, affirming them and acknowledge them and loving them. It's not that they don't appreciate your acts of service, but it's not the way they feel loved. So I think if a husband and a wife can, you know, come to the table and learn to love each other, not in a selfish way, um, I think when children come, it becomes a little bit easier for you to, you know, start seeing what your child needs and to love them the way they need to be loved. Yeah. And when you talk about those boundaries, it's not about being a strict parent. Yeah. Right. In the way that kind of the world has demonized conservative parents. Right. And that we even corporal punishment and all of that. And we can save that conversation for another time. We've actually talked about it before, but the boundaries are imposed by love. And it's the love of God that restrains us. And the boundaries that he places on our lives are not to keep us from something, but to shield us from something so that we don't engage in activity before our time, uh, so that we don't uh, hinder the purpose that he's trying to reveal to us because we're distracted by all of these desires that we have allowed ourselves to engage in, especially before their time. And with children, that's even more true. And so we as parents, we do that through love. And it's interesting that I see our kids reflect some of our love language. Toby's is much like yours. Mila's is much like mine. And so that helps us understand because we've already worked it out among one another. Mm -hmm. So obviously it's easier for her to do that with Toby because he's like her. Yeah. But when it comes to Mila, she's like, well, I've already learned how to love Ryan. Let me just impose that same strategy upon her. She needs that affirmation. She needs that those uh, words of affirmation and that affection, that touch, just like I do. So that's kind of how we've learned to engage with our children. But then, you know, Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This verse highlights the importance uh, of imposing those disciplines and those values with, with a loving and caring attitude. Your children, if they feel loved, they will be able to hear your voice more clearly. There's nothing worse than dealing with a frustrated child who is not even understanding. It's like wasting your words because they've already moved to attend. Those tantrums and those things that your children go through, uh, that's their way of trying to communicate their need to you. And they're frustrated that they may not have the words to describe what they feel yet. But it's your job to lean into the voice of the Holy Spirit and discern what it is that they're feeling. You're gonna not you're not gonna always get it right, but continue to press in and don't be driven by your emotions, which will provoke more anger out of them, but be driven by the Spirit of God so that you can have compassion and kindness upon your children. And then when you impose those boundaries, they will respect them because they know that you're doing that because you love them. Yeah, and it, it is definitely much easier if a husband and wife works as a team, you know, instead of having their own separate things going because then you you have the whole scenario of good cop, bad cop, and then now your children are kind of in the middle of that and now they're like pinning you against one another because kids tend to do that. But I think uh, if you work as a team, 
and you know your strengths and weaknesses and you know when your spouse needs support, like if they are on emotionally emotionally driven and they are at a point where they may get angry or, you know, do something that they shouldn't be doing, uh, you can step in and say, hey, I'll take over, yeah. you know, or sometimes setting each other aside and saying, hey, I think what we did today was probably not beneficial and we probably need to readdress that. Um, again, this is a team effort. It takes a lot of work um, physically, mentally, emotionally. And a lot of times you'll have to come back to the drawing board and say, hey, what do we need to do for our kid in this season? Because it's not working. Every season is different. Yeah. And it's important not to allow shame to set in Yeah, because we all can feel horrible. We don't always uh, make the best decisions as parents. Um, certainly, if you are feeling out of control, you need to seek help mm-hmm. because you don't want to put your own children in harm's way because you're dealing with something yourself mentally or even postpartum depression is real for mothers and giving them that space and freedom uh, and not to feel shame, but to say, I need help. We need to, to yeah. develop a community where we feel uh, safe enough to be transparent about those things. And that's why generations are important in your children's lives. We talk about the importance of a mother and father, but I think there's something to be said about grandparents as well. And in fact, each gender plays a unique role in shaping that child's life. You've got to find your own rhythm in your home based on your personalities and your gifts, but you've also got to look at your spiritual responsibility that is connected to your maleness and femaleness, you know, that run in parallel. Women are nurturers, men are cultivators. Those sound very similar, but they have, you know, slight differences women approach it from an emotional intelligence and men approach it from a very practical perspective. While both mothers and fathers play important roles in shaping their child's identity, they each bring unique perspectives and strengths to the table. For example, a mother's influence on a child's emotional development is vital. So she provides love, comfort, and security in that regard. A mother can help her child build a strong sense of self and emotional stability. This is particularly important for boys, and that's why they need their mom to help develop that emotional intelligence within them. Not that their father father can't do that as well, but it's more so her strength. On the other hand, a father's role is in shaping his child's values and sense of identity, Um, and it's just as important as the role of the mother. And he does this through modeling behavior, setting boundaries, and teaching responsibility. A father can also help his child develop a strong sense of who they are by what they believe. We said this before, you know, if you look at the role of an apostle and you look at the role of a prophet in the home, this is manifested through the husband as the apostolic leader and the woman as the prophetic leader. She is the essence. She is the feeler, the sensor, and he is the one who provides governmental structure and order. He sets the theological precedents in the house. As for me and my house, this is what Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. That's what every father's responsibility is, is to set that as a marker over every doorframe. Not that you should fill your house with all those little signs with words on it, but spiritually and figuratively that you are modeling this behavior that your children can say, my dad serves the Lord. And if my dad serves the Lord, then I must need to serve the Lord as well. Yeah, and it's not about perfection, you know, even though we're saying all these things. And um, I don't think that that should be such a striving um, 
for you to feel like that you are having to be perfect uh, parent and make sure that you always are on a 10 and that everything that you're doing, you know, you, you got everything together. I think your children do need to see you struggle and, um, you know, express yourself and apologize when you need to. Um, I think that's what makes us human. I mean, we have emotions, we have uh, struggles that we experience and, I don't think that you need to shield your children from that. I think your children need to see real life experiences, but then also teaching them how to actually, you know, have a result of a resolution. I think when we had Dr. Caroline Leaf on our podcast, you know, we were always trying to be careful, you know, not to argue in front of kids. And she was like, no, you actually, it's a good thing. You, you actually, you, it's a good thing for you to argue as a spouse, um, as, as two individuals, because, your children needs to need to see that mom and dad sometimes have those back and forth. But what they do need to see is that you both come to uh, a resolve at the end. How Conflict we, resolution. Your so, kids need to learn that skill. Yeah, I think what she was saying is that sometimes you feel like uh, kids feel that pressure of like my parents were perfect and their relationship was perfect. So I need to live up to that. And that's not true. We all struggle. And sometimes we have that fear of becoming our parents. Um, you know, if we have experienced childhood trauma, we can be so hyper-focused on t- uh, onto what we don't want to become that at times we end up being what we are trying to avoid instead of saying, what does God want me to fulfill and what generational curses God wants me to, God wants me to break for my family and um, how can I move forward without having to be hyper-focused on what were the issues of the past in my life? You know, and it's worth mentioning, too, that our biology speaks to those roles as well. You know, especially the father's contribution. He provides the sperm, and sperm determines identity. It's the sperm that solidifies whether or not that child will have an XX or an XY chromosome set of chromosomes and ultimately what their gender will be. And then together the child's blood type is determined. And then also we see within a mother that she has this nurturing ability because she literally is carrying a child for nine, 10 months. You know, it's written within our biology, what our roles will end up being as well. True. Yeah, for sure. So what are some of the practical applications that we have for kids If you're a parent out there or maybe you're a mentor, you know, what can we do to help shape our child's identity? Well, the first thing is show up every single day, be present and aware. Yes, we have down days and we need, you know, time away from our kids at certain moments as well. But ultimately, we need to show up with routine every single day and we need to constantly affirm our children in their identity especially with mothers. So to shape your child's emotional development, it's important to spend quality time with your child, listen to their thoughts and feelings, and be a supportive and comforting presence in their lives. This can be as simple as going for a walk, playing a game, having a heart-to-heart conversation. And for fathers, this is important too. Be involved and provide guidance. You want to be the parent that when your child is going through a rough time, they don't want to say, oh man, Uh, I hope my dad doesn't find out. They go, oh man, I need to tell my dad. Some of you may have seen that on social media. I think that's so good. And so this can be done by just engaging in activities that your child naturally enjoys doing 
and then using those activities to reinforce values and beliefs, volunteering with your kids, giving back. I know every single Christmas we do the shoebox a Christmas uh, giveaway thing where we go and let our kids know that Christmas is not just about receiving, but it's about giving. And so all of these things are very practical. Uh, we could probably give you 10 steps and an outline, but you've got to determine what are the values that you're wanting to pass on to your kids? What are the traditions that you can invoke? We've encouraged you to establish a table in your house, which is an altar, the table in your home, at the center of your home, as big or as small as that is, as a safe place where you communicate with your kids and use meals to do it. Statistics show that kids who eat at a table with their parents succeed in all of these areas, whether it be acad academically or professionally, emotionally, uh, because they set the technology to the side, don't bring that to the table, and you have a conversation with your kids at a routine scheduled time every single day. Doesn't have to be all three meals, but at least one meal a day. So these are some practical things. Anything you want to add, Victoria? No, and I think it's something your kids are going to really look forward to because, you know, again, they're going to feel that you're paying attention to them and have the ability to share some conversations and start that early. It's a simple task. It's not that hard. Everybody eats. So just putting your phone down and making sure that you're present with your children and asking them questions and allowing them to talk, even if they're toddlers and they're curating stories and all that stuff, it all uh, helps to set precedence for later on when they actually do have, um, you know, some decisions to make. They'll be able to feel free to come to to you and talk to uh, to you about those challenges. Yeah. And just to end this conversation out, even as it relates to gender and what is an acceptable gender role that they should play, I think we should have the responsibility of teaching our kids that as well. But even when it comes to them exploring the difference, right, they're seeing it displayed with you as their parents, even if they are wanting to do things that are more traditionally reserved for a specific gender, don't be intimidated by that. Allow your ch children to explore different things um, and then set some boundaries as to clothing, you know, other types of behavior. Uh, but when it comes down to it, don't limit your son's creativity because you feel like it's effeminate. And don't limit your daughter's ability to engage in sports and some of those things. Those are not really supposed to be gender specific, I believe. I think that our biology lens and even our emotional development lens to some of those things. But uh, ultimately, a child can explore a wide range of activities that may cross over what would be considered gender norms. Um, but of course, when it comes to the clothing and st stuff like that, enforce some of those uh, values and don't be ashamed to do it. And now you're going to have to have conversations with your kids about what they are experiencing at schools and what other belief systems might look like and why you believe the way you believe and bring the scriptures into it. The Daily Grace Company, some of these other places, um, theology resources for your kids and children book format is gonna be important for you to read and, and talk to your kids about as well. Of course, the Bible being center for all of it. And be in prayer for us. We have a, a wide range of children's resources we're uh, developing as well to give you the tools right in your hand to be able to have some of these conversations 
with your children as young as toddlers and as old as teenagers and young adults. So be on the lookout for that. Any final words, Victoria? No, thank you guys for joining us for today's episode. I know it's been a lot to uh, take in, but uh, be sure to go back and listen to the previous episodes if you have not listened to the ones on identity of women and men. Um, we have a lot of great, uh, more great episodes coming your way. So be sure that you're subscribed. And if you are able to give us a quick a review, that's going to help us to spread the word. You could just give us a five-star rating. Um, but if you would like to leave a comment, it's free, it's easy, and it'll really help us out. And I want to encourage you to go listen to that prayer on identity. Play it throughout the month. And the next month, we're going to be releasing prayers for our husbands and wives. You're going to want to tune into that. And as always, please support this ministry by giving a donation of any amount or becoming a partner. Thank you if you have already. Um, it's We don't have words to describe what it means when we see a notification or get something in the mail where someone has given. It means that we feel your support and that you believe in us and we know that you're praying for us too. So thank you again. And until next time, this has been Needed Conversation. God bless. Thank you.